And welcome back to Insemination. I am so excited because we have an insemination first. We have a three-way interview with two donor-conceived siblings. In total transparency, we just filmed the interview with these two donor-conceived siblings, and this interview left me traumatized. So please prepare yourself for some absolutely shocking stories and give my next two guests an incredible welcome to Insemination. Everybody give a big insemination welcome to Anna and Brad. How are we doing today? We're good. Doing well, thank you. I love this. This is our first uh, three-way interview. I am so excited. And obviously, you guys are the first donor-conceived siblings I have had on the podcast. And when I've been, uh, when I've ever hung out with y'all, I swear it's like you act as though you two were raised together. It seems like it, yeah. But like, how long have you actually like? When when uh, how long ago did you guys actually meet for the first time? In person, we met yeah. last March in person, March twenty fifth. Only a year. Yeah, that's it. It's crazy. Oh my god! How did it feel when you two first met each other? You want to answer that? No, go ahead. <laughs> um. So it's funny because I first found out he existed January 13th. And then two months later, I find myself driving to Ohio for a different reason to meet up with a friend. And I was like, hey, I'm going to be driving past your city. Do you care if I make a pit stop? Um, and we had never even talked on the phone yet before. So he called me for the first time and we met for the first time on the exact same day. Um, you know, and I, I feel like I could, oh, like, <laughs> this could be its own topic, this genetic mirroring thing. Um, mm -hmm. But meeting Brad for the first time, I mean, it felt like I've known him forever. And I was catching up with a friend. Um, everything felt, it just felt like I knew him. He felt very familiar to me. Um, like genetically familiar. <laughs> We do share the most DNA of any of the siblings. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was easy conversation. We have a ton in common. We're just very similar people. So, um, you know, it just like I gave him a hug for the first time and I was like, you just feel like home. You feel so familiar. It was it was wonderful. Who, who's the older sibling? You are I'm the oldest of all of them. You are the oldest of all of them. Uh, as so of far. right now, I am I am the youngest of all of mine. I am the youngest, so we are the bookends. Yep. Yes. We we are we are when our donors supposedly were like, and I'm done. I was the last word. <laughs> yeah. I was going through our old conversations um, because we like kind of pivoted off the group text and we're talking on LinkedIn a little bit, and it's funny because in our first conversation on um linkedin he calls himself our donor's final bullet <laughs> nice <laughs> it's just very that funny. we know of that we know of that we know of we have a we have a very light sense of humor about this as well like brad will say i'm really thankful that you're not part of the sample that splashed out of the cup you know like <laughs> nice you know yeah yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you were the one who made it. You didn't uh, end up in a sock. I got you... in the pipette. Yeah, it was a win. <laughs> and Brad, what was it like seeing you, seeing Anna for the first time for you? I, uh, I mean, I think the genetic mirroring or, or looking in a mirror is very accurate. I, um, 
she came to my work and, uh, you know, I came out the front door and I saw her getting out of the car and it was like, I was looking in the mirror at myself. So, um, like she said, it felt very much like home and, um, you know, it feels like we've known each other forever. Um, it's like having a conversation with myself, which I do frequently. So it's nice because <laughs> I talk to myself all the time. Yeah. Now, did you two grow up with siblings? Go ahead. Anna, go ahead. Um, oh. I have a raised sister who's six years older than me, um, who found out in this, in my discovery that she's also donor conceived, um, different donor. Cause our doctor didn't keep any records at all. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but why I would we with- do that? Why would we keep records <laughs> when creating sentient human beings? Like that's just a waste. It's so wasteful waste of paper. Um, yeah. I will say the infertility industry seems to be um, very, they, they seem to be very environmentally conscious <laughs> um, due to the lack of paperwork they like to do. So, I mean, one point for them, I guess. Exactly. Okay, so you have one raised sister who is also your half-sister who's six years older than you, and she also found out she's donor-conceived. Mm-hmm. How did how did you find out you were donor-conceived? Me? Um, so yeah. in 2020, I got really into genealogy because it was 2020 and we were all at home. You had to do something, <laughs> all right? I had to do something. There's only so much sourdough you can bake. <laughs> so, oh, that's really funny because I actually, that was one of my goals that never came to fruition. I never ended up figuring out how to make bread, but. Um, okay, that's the next Zoom call is you and I will make <laughs> sourdough together. That will be the next one. Wonderful. So I got it really into genealogy. I was digging, digging, digging. And this is actually a notable little piece of our story and our connection is that my my mom had always said we have Native American in our family. And, you know, I'm a little bit of a smart ass and I'm digging and digging and digging. And I'm like all the way back into the 1600s. I can't find it anywhere. Oh, shocking. It's not there. Like, mom, Weird. It's not. It's here. We are not Native American. It's nowhere. So I ordered an Ancestry DNA kit because of a Black Friday sale, like what all of us seem to do. We order them. With well, the yeah, because we, we love our sibling season. Uh, very famously for anybody who doesn't know, uh, we in the donor conceived community refer to January and February as sibling season because everybody buys DNA kits be- due to all the sales uh, in November and December and basically just gives them to, or out to random people. So in January, February, all donor conceived community is like waiting on pins and needles to be like, oh my God, is this going to be it? Am I going to find more siblings? Yeah. So you, all right. Uh, so you buy your, which DNA uh, kit did you get? 23andMe or Ancestry? I did Ancestry. So that's also notable for, for later in the story too. And, okay. you know, I told my mom it's not here. So I ordered the kit to, to prove her wrong. That was the whole point mm. of this because I wanted to prove my mother wrong. Well, you did prove something. I certainly did. And you know, what's interesting. She knew I was ordering it and she didn't say anything. And so on December 20th. <laughs> parents do that the parents sort of have two reactions they're like you don't need to do that you don't need to do that or they're like it's, it's no way they're gonna find there's out no like way. this is there's no way it, there's no way it'll it'll pop up I, I those are the two reactions it's two opposite ends of the poll okay Always. so so i had to, oh my god i had told my dad i was thinking about ordering one to prove mom wrong my parents aren't together and all he said was oh you don't want to do that mm-hmm. but then never brought it up again 
And so, now, for the record, you don't know your donor conceived at this point. I have no, no. idea at all. At how old are you at this point? Oh gosh, 36, 36. Oh, 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 you are, uh, 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 Brad, how, how old were you when you found out that uh, you were donor conceived? I was 20, I was 33. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. oh, oh no yeah. mm. i mean i mean we we consider like a late discovery i believe like anything after the age of like i want to say it's like four or five now to find out when you're in your 30s like jesus like i don't even consider that a late it's discovery a, i don't know what it's a geriatric discovery it is it's a geriatric discovery thank you we need that on a t-shirt mm -hmm. okay <laughs> copyright that's just no one yeah. no one take that from brad okay uh, so all right now, yeah, yeah. We, we we gotta we gotta put that on a bell. So we okay. So December twentieth, so I get my results back. Okay. And sure as shit, there's no Native American. I'm Sicilian, and I'm like, wait, pause. I'm German and French. Why do I have so much Sicilian? Like, I'm not Italian. And then I look at my genetic matches and I matched directly to my donor as my father. And so I'm like, the first thing I did was text my doctor and my children's pediatrician and say, these are the results I just got back. Can this be wrong? And they took, you know, a few minutes and responded. They both said the same thing. Anna, it's not wrong. And I'm like, Whoa. wait a second. And then I look and uh -huh. I match to two sisters as well. And I'm like, I don't know any of these people. Oh. Okay, so you find half siblings and you're, so, so then how, when does the connection come? Our connection? Well, when do, when do you realize your donor conceived? Like when, oh. when does that happen? Yeah, so I sent my two sisters I matched to um, who I, I had no idea who these people were messages and just said, I, this is just what happened to me. I'm trying to understand. They didn't immediately respond. So I found them on Facebook and sent them Facebook messages too, because at this point I'm like, I want to figure out what's going on. I've always known that I was IVF conceived, but I had no idea because my whole life, my, the whole story is Anna, you look like dad's side and your sister mm. mom's side. So I'm like, Mm. what is happening so i love when recipient parents do that like they're really trying to like we're we're gonna make this lie happen we're gonna really force this yeah we're gonna force this square into a round into a round hole we're gonna can do it absolutely oh. so the two sisters responded and they both have known they were donor conceived from birth and so their very gentle explanation of their life and the, the way that they were raised and what they've always known really helped me piece the puzzle together. It also helped that one of the sisters was visiting her raised parents for Christmas and was able to confirm we were conceived a month apart. Our moms used the exact same doctor. So wow. the pieces all fell into place um, for me. And then it was a really, really troubling couple of weeks of like not being able to look in the mirror because I had no idea what I was looking at um, yeah. until January 13th, I got a message from another match who also did a 23andMe, who's our brother, 
And his message on ancestry was, Hey, I just matched, I think we're siblings. And also I did a 23 and me and you've got more siblings over there. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. All right. So before we, we continue, so Brad, yes. I want to like now know your portion yeah, of, of this story. So did you grow up with raised siblings? So I, um, I grew up with a half sister and a half brother. So from my dad's previous marriage. So funny story, my, my dad's ex-wife left him for the female babysitter um, and they got a divorce subsequently. So um, yeah, so, right out of the gate. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, so the, the story I was always raised with was he and his ex-wife had trouble conceiving. Um, they adopted my brother um, and about a month later, they found out they were pregnant with my sister or my half sister. Um, so they were older. Um, my dad was much older, probably in his 50s when I was conceived. Uh, my mom was in her mid 30s. Um, so they were on with their life. Uh, my brother was in and out of jail. Um, so I had a sort of a transient relationship with my brother. A lot of the times it was answering phone calls, collect calls from, from the jail um, and accepting those so that he could talk to myself and, and my dad. Um, you know, my sister was more involved in my life, um, but she was living in Colorado. I would see her occasionally, um, you know, but not a, not a close knit relationship at all. Mm -hmm. So, and okay, come so to find out, because they're on my father's side, they're actually not siblings um, at all. Oh my! Genetically. Oh, so then, how did you end up taking a DNA, mm. or how did you find out you were donor conceived? So in twenty, like Christmas time, twenty eighteen, um, my wife bought me a kit and told me that I was going to take one because she thought it was good for uh, health history information. She had taken one, found it intriguing. Uh, and got me one for Christmas and, and I was to take it as is most things in my life. Um, so, you know, it took, I do want to take a pause right there. I, I love your, I love your wife's energy. I'm all about that. And that like nagging wife energy, mm -hmm. like you're going to just fucking yeah, do that. I, I so identify with that. Uh, cause I'm, I'm the exact same way, but I do want to just highlight to any of our listeners, the commercial DNA tests are not medical grade. If you do want actual, like medical history, medical information, you need to go to a genetic counselor, you need to go see a geneticist. That is a big misconception that a lot of people have. It is not medical grade. So just want to throw that out there. Because I love my gene because I love my geneticist who I work with all the time. You're awesome. Anyway, going back. Yeah, so I got the results back. And, um, you know, I looked at the health history information, nothing really notable in that. And then like Anna's story, I had grown up and was told that I had like, I don't know, one or two generations removed Native American. So, you know, when I'm looking, I know, you know um, so when I'm looking at the, the information okay. um, from, you know, genetic origin, there's no Native American. It's really the first thing that I looked at. And I also noticed that I was very Sicilian, which was not something that I had been told. Um, but nothing, you know, I didn't really draw any conclusions from that. I didn't know that there was a family tree portion of 23andMe. So mm. I didn't even look at that. Um, and on August 23rd of 2019, so almost a year later, 
I'm sitting at work and, you know, 23andMe is linked to my work email for whatever reason. And um, I got an email that I had a message from um, a gentleman and I opened 23andMe and it said, hey, it looks like we're half brothers. Would love to talk more about that. Um, I feel like every donor conceived person hears that and all of us just collectively like our stomach just drops because like we just know like but see I did like I um you know so we all know that moment yeah so I log on and you know I'm I'm looking at his birthday it's 1986 I'm doing the math my parents were married in 84 I was born in 88 my dad played college too yeah look at that So my dad played college football, got drafted to the Chicago Bears. Like he has a, you know, questionable sexual history and and is speaks pretty openly about the number of girlfriends that he had. And, you know, so I'm thinking to myself, you know, two years into their marriage, my dad's out screwing around on my mom. I think that I look like him a lot. So the conversation with this gentleman progresses and he, you know, I say, he says that he's donor conceived. And I said, there's no possible way. I know that my parents were struggling to conceive maybe in the early eighties when he oh. is giving sperm to the, the sperm bank to artificially inseminate my mom. Um, you know, maybe things got mixed up. You look more like my dad than I do. And he started asking for family photos and I got weirded out. Here's this guy that I don't know that lives in Spain asking for family photos. I've never seen the guy except one or two photos that he sent me. And I like ghosting, like straight ghost. He continues to send me messages every couple of months and I just don't respond. So on January 8th of 2022, so three years after my initial message from the first brother, I get an email in the same situation. I'm sitting at work with my email up and up pops up. I have a new message on 23andMe and the name is different from another brother that says, hey, looks like we're half brothers. Curious to know more. Um, To note that the first brother has known since he was, I don't know, 15, 16, Anna, correct me if I'm wrong, um, that he was donor conceived you know, and I start digging in with his second brother on January 8th of 2022. And he's like, Hey, you know, I pseudo, I guess by definition, late discovery. I think that he's known, Mm -hmm. you know, for the greater portion of his life, but his donor conceived sister, same mother, um, had done an ancestry and a 23 and me and had found her donor father, which motivated him to take these tests, which linked us. Um, you know, and um, somewhere between January 8th of 2022 and January 12th, um, you know, and, and I'm still running with this narrative that my dad's out messing around with my mom and now he's done it twice mm-hmm. with two different women. I sit up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night and kind of say out loud, holy shit, my dad's not my dad. So it was sort of like a middle of the night discovery that I'm like finally putting this narrative aside that um, that that's the truth. And and um, understanding what the truth really was. And it seems, you know, when I look back on it, it seems like what a far-fetched thing for me to think that, you know, that was a higher likelihood or possibility than donor conception. 
to me, um, you know, to the point that my wife was like, not nice to my dad for several years thinking, you know, and, and we didn't, I hadn't said anything to him. I hadn't said anything to my mom, but running with this narrative that he was out, you know, screwing yeah. around on her. Um, I mean, I feel that's, that happens to so many donor conceived people is they first see and they're like, holy shit, my parents were, were, were cheating. Yeah. Oh my God, I discovered an affair. Like that's typically yeah. a lot of the time, the first thought, uh, which is so much, which is like, I, I would say arguably like so much worse than what the truth is. Yeah. So, you know, Scott, I don't know if I should say his name, that, that brother um, was the one that had done 23andMe and Ancestry. And on January 12th, I got a message and he's on California time. I got a message at like midnight. Uh, and I think at that point it was a text. Um, and he said, hey, Ancestry results are back in. We have three sisters and a brother on Ancestry as well. Oh my God. Um, so that's where, you know, the, the connection with, with Anna and the rest of the siblings came from was, um, was there. And had he not done an ancestry, you know, I, I, we would have never known that the other party existed. So. so how many siblings right now do you currently have in your pod? We have eight um, and we have a ninth that um, is, has vanished. Um, they were, so the, the donor did an ancestry, um, but doesn't want contacted. And Anna can go into more on that. Uh, why he spit in a tube um, but doesn't want to be found is beyond me. Um, that does not make any sense to me is no. like do when donors do that. And I think it's a power play. Um, he seems like a real gem of the human. So, um, so many of the donors do. I, I, I mean, it's like some donors are, are I've spoken to many donors who are genuinely delightful human beings, but a lot of the donors are just like, how yeah, are, are just like, I think it's a, how did you, how, how did, how did you pass the, um, like I, I'm, I'm on, yeah, so, so I, I don't want to, no, we're, we're going to scratch so, that. Yeah. No, to, Laura, to finish Laura, that, make though, a note. The, um, Laura, Laura yeah. To, to finish that, um, the first person that reached out to the donor, and I believe at that time the donor was managing his own profile, but now his wife is, um, per his wife's conversation with Anna, who is the only person she is, has been open with, the conversation didn't go well. So I'm assuming that that person has blocked all of their matches and has vanished. They are nowhere to be found. So there is a ninth out there somewhere. We don't know who it is. Okay. Now, where, where, what state did your donor donate in? And if you feel comfortable saying the city, I'd love, I'd love the city as well. Yeah. Are you, you're fine with that, Brad? No, oh, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. So Columbus, Ohio um, is where he uh, donated um, and was- and From what years? So I, you know, it's interesting because in my conversations with his wife, um, and she's been, she's been oddly very kind to me. She blocked two of our brothers who reached out to her almost immediately, but she's kept an open line of communication with me, um, which I'm thankful for because again, you know, we'll get to it, but that health history updates and health history is so important to us. 
And so maintain it's crucial. It's it's literally that that's a life-saving information. It's all that we want. So, you yeah. know, Brad and I have this conversation, I think fairly regularly, that it just maintaining some kind of open communication with her and that relationship is so important because she's really the only living person willing to communicate with us that has answers. Um well and the and that's rare for the donor's wife because typically most of the time the donor's wife is, or I should say the donor's partner, um, is typically the one who is not comfortable with the donor communicating with the donor conceived children and ends up actually squashing the relationships um, that are starting to, I would say, grow. That's what we have seen a lot in the donor conceived community. Um, there, there are many donor conceived children who have like found their donors. The donor like seems to really want to have a relationship or have a line of communication. The partner had no idea they were donating and, and basically is like, no, you're not allowed to talk to the donor conceived and just completely blocks it, which is horrific because that, as we very well know, that line of communication can be life-saving in terms of medical history and so losing that is like it, it can be very scary and it can be very terrifying um so i'm i'm so thrilled that that she is stepping up in a way that her husband is not yeah so she she had told me she thought he only donated a handful of times as a favor to the doctor so I handful. sent her a list of all of our birthdays in case she needed. I know a handful has a couple <laughs> innuendos right there. <laughs> um, but he, we know that he donated between 1984 and 1988. Um, there's three of us in 85. One. In we our donors have very similar timelines. Oh yeah, I'm actually. Just, it, Kind of I, I know we're, we're not, not <laughs> I know we're not related, but, and, but it's, it, it actually is very similar timelines. Yeah. This was, this was a hot, hot bunch of years. Hot timeline to uh, have a side hustle. Uh, one of our sisters jokes, cause our donor uh, was a, was a fireman and one of our sister jokes that they must've had better girly magazines at the doctor's offices than the firehouse. <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, he, he apparently knew how to use his hose in more ways than one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, the other interesting thing, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for this marriage because he had four teenage children at home with his wife in the years he was donating. His daughter graduated from high school the year that Brad was born. Four, how old was four. he when he was donating? What's that? How old was he when he was donating? Um, so he's in his seventies now. I think they must have had children pretty young, but yeah, I think he's seventy-two or seventy-three now. And I was looking back. I mean, his wife gave me the ages of their grandchildren, and um, they're in their their teens and 20s so so if he's in his 70s now he was donating then in his 40s yeah mathematically yeah that's i mean that's older for a donor typically Which, they don't it, they don't use donors in their 40s that makes i mean me, i again i i know all laws and are out are there there are no laws with this and i know that you know all rules with donor conception are out the window but i'm just i, I you never really hear of donors being 40 years old that yeah. that is interesting late late 30s early 40s which makes yeah. me nervous to think that maybe he was 
he's been donating. He was donating more than the five years that we know of. Um, and there's weird gaps in the timeline. There's no one in 87. And yeah. One I in mean, 86. I'm like, where are these people? I just, they're, they, they're out there. I'm certain they're out there. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe they also think that they're part Native American as well, <laughs> you know? Now, were you, do you both, um, and, and I don't want to say this publicly, do you both have your donor number? Was that something you were able to get your hands on? He was never assigned a donor number. Okay. Yeah. I mean, most people, I don't have a donor number. I think a well, lot of donor conceived people within like the eighties or, or conceived earlier, like we don't, we don't have a donor number. Do you, were you able to track down any kind of donor profile, any kind of like what was put on the medical history or anything like that? No. So my, one of our sister's moms actually still has her notes from when she was going through all of this. The one who knew from birth that she was donor conceived. Mm -hmm. um, and all my mom and her mom were told was that the donor was 5'10", had a college education and um, what was, oh, was either a police officer, firefighter, or med student. That's, that's okay. all that they knew, which He's not 5'10". He didn't no. have a college education at that time, but he was a firefighter. <laughs> I got to say, though, police officer, firefighter, or med student, those are three very different jobs. I, mean, I guess if you're looking for sperm, a firehouse is a good place to recruit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they're spraying houses, so why not spray you as well? So, <laughs> well, And we know that one of his colleagues... That was for you, Brad. Thank you. <laughs> We know that one of his colleagues donated with him. That mm. that, that that oh, he had a buddy. No. It was a buddy it gets system. Worse. How nice! It gets worse. Oh, it gets yeah. worse. Brad, do you want to tell us? Did yeah. they help each? Like, what? How does it get worse? So the the brother that did connected, they share a cup? Uh, well, kind of, they walked down to together. Um, so the the brother. I just have an image of them holding hands yes. and skipping to the sperm yes. bank. Oh my so, god! Okay. Daddy light money for that Friday night. Yeah, I mean, I I assume I mean my my uh my donor is a uh, Orthodox rabbi Moyle, so I assume he needed like Manischewitz money. <laughs> yeah, so um, so the brother that connected Anna and I, um, whose sister found the donor father, um, when we started to to piece the 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 puzzle pieces together, um, our donor and her donor, um, are friends on Facebook. Um, they worked at the same firehouse and she came. So we had a meetup with all eight of our siblings. Um, you know, we have people from a gentleman from Spain, California, Louisiana, um, Virginia, Ohio. Um, and he brought his donor conceived sister with him because he was coming from California. Um, and we were sitting around the table talking about timelines and, and the fact that her donor and our donor were, um, were buddies and um she and i were comparing birthdays and she was born two days before me same year two days before me so i mean mathematically it's like they maybe ride shared to the fire station or skip down the sidewalk together and um and donated together so, bro let's get matching crazy. tattoos and donate our sperm <laughs> yeah the fact that we're still facebook friends just it just cracks me up like what an interesting bonding activity. Okay. Uh, all right. So I love this. All right. Um, were you, were your parents told any health information about your donor? None at all. 
what have you discovered? Um, I, I mean, because like you know, we're 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 all in our thirties. We're all in our fucking thirties. Mm. Uh, we're all in our thirties. What 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 did your donor's wife tell you in terms of medical information? Can I interject really a, quick? Uh, my fucking mom interject. My mom didn't know that a donor was used. We'll get to that. Wait, wait, no, oh, we're not gonna get to that. Okay. We're gonna talk about that right now. All right, we're gonna talk about that right now. Okay, okay. Sorry. no, 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 we're we're not. That that's a show stopping. That in terms of Broadway, that's called yeah. an eleven o'clock number right there. I we we. No, 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 no. We're, we're going to talk about this. What? So I have discovered this in the last month. Um, so in May of 2022, so obviously I figured this out in January. Um, you know, I, I had not said anything to my parents as of mid-May. Um, and Anna was getting ready to bring her boys up um, for the first time to meet my two daughters. And... Um, my kids are pretty close with my parents. Um, my, my mom gets my older one off the bus every day after school. My kids are wise beyond their years. So it wasn't something I was going to be able to pull over on them. And I wanted them to have a relationship with their cousins and their, their aunts. And, um, you know, so my kids and I had talked openly about it. We'd had a discussion about what I had learned. They were very empathetic and supportive. Um, but I knew that they were going to slip at some point and say something to my parents. And I didn't mm -hmm. want that to be the, the way that it, the cat came out of the bag. Um, the way that I then confronted my parents, though, um, I am a bit impulsive um, and I do get a bit ragey. And, um, you know, I'm at I, work. I feel that <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. So yeah, I, I don't impulse control is not something I have. Yeah. So I was, I was at work and I had um, a surgeon coming in to, to work with me. Um, and like, I, this is like an hour before the doctor gets here. And I like, I just had this moment of rage and I'm like, like, I'm just going to do it. And I think I texted Anna and said, Hey, like, I'm going to be offline for probably an hour, uh, with communication. I'm going to go, I'm going to go out and call my dad. So I went out and rolled the windows down to the car and sat in the car and I called him and said like, Hey, I know what you know. And, um, I think my wife had actually tipped him off that that was coming because, you know, he went on this apology train and, um, he said to me, it was something that I found interesting. He said, what do you want me to tell your mom? Uh, I said, well, think back 33 years and figure out what she told her then. And I didn't really like, now in retrospect, like that question makes a lot more sense. So about three to four oh weeks later, um, I get a call at work and um, my mom is being transported to the emergency room by ambulance that she's having severe chest pain. Um, and um, she's having a heart attack. So she has a, a heart calf and, um, and uh, you know, I'm sitting in the room and after the heart calf with her and the doctor comes in and she says to the, has the audacity to say to the doctor when he asks like, you know, do you have increased stress? Uh, you know, what might be the, the source of this? Um, and she says, uh, well, my son just learned that, um, that his dad isn't his dad that we used a donor, like blame me to the doctor, which really pissed me off. Um, Jesus. But like a month ago, um, it comes to fruition and I don't even know how that she didn't know 
that a donor was used. And the reason she had a heart attack is when I found out and confronted them is when she found out. Um, and in digging into that story, um, my dad um, was very close with their family medicine doctor. They played racquetball together. Um, I remember going as a kid and like watching them play racquetball. He was a, like an amateur archaeologist. I would go walk fields with him and, and collect arrowheads because I had an interest in archaeology at that point. And then I went to medical school. Um, and, you know, when I had a difficult topic that I wasn't understanding, I had an open line of communication with this gentleman and I would call him and we would talk for an hour or two about a topic and he would explain it. When my dad got a divorce, um, he had a vasectomy and to my knowledge, I did not know this. Um, and then he met my mom who was in her mid thirties and was desperate to have a child. Um, she'd been married twice before, which I also discovered late in life that they had lied to me and never told me that she'd been previously married. Um, oh my God. Yeah, so avoiders, uh, one-on-one, um, he had a vasectomy and he meets this, this woman that he's madly in love with and she desperately wants a child and he tells her he has it reversed. He doesn't have his vasectomy reversed. I don't think that they were doing vasectomy reversals in the 80s. Uh, that requires a microscope. It's a pretty, pretty invasive procedure that requires a lot of precision. Um, they try and try and try. And, um, you know, they're unsuccessful for obvious reasons. So um, they go to an infertility clinic. Um, at some point, there was some sort of money transferred, I assume, um, where the infertility doctor told her that he was using my father's sample and basically turkey basting it um, when, in fact, he was using a donor because my dad was infertile from a vasectomy. So she has gone her entire, my entire 34 years of life until you know may of 2022 believing that uh he was the father and uh, she learned when i confronted them okay so oh my okay all right i need to piece this together with everybody else who is listening to this who's probably also experiencing an aneurysm so your social father your non-biological father yep who had i never to me yeah who i never had any question wasn't my biological father yeah okay oh my god had a vasectomy uh -huh. said that he got it reversed yes. which he did not Correct. they went to an infertility doctor uh -huh. and the infertility doctor told your mom we're going to ins we're going to uh, uh, turkey baster your husband's sperm into you to help yes. but that did not happen no. so you, the doctor and your dad had a private conversation and, where and, this, and this general practitioner he was the one that and the general the practitioner yeah. all agreed we're going to use donor sperm mm -hmm. ha -ha, without your mom's knowledge or consent that is correct i mean <laughs> that that is the oddest form that that's that's fertility fraud it is that Which is 100 percent which That's is funny because I, you know, I, I met you and Jacoba at the Capitol with Anna to support uh, the House bill for fertility yeah. fraud. And at that point, I didn't know that information. 
And so, so you're listening to this going like, oh man, this situation is horrible. Real, like, yeah, I'm here for support. And then subsequently realizing yeah, that you I, very are, much affected me. Yeah. And that is. It's really unfortunate that the fertility doctor is dead because I would love to confront him. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, that is. Uh-huh. That is nasty. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Okay. Well, let's, so the OB let's, didn't I, know, I, the pediatrician didn't know. So, you know, because I, no one knew. How was your, how was your mom? We've never, we've never directly talked about it. She is still avoiding the topic. Okay. She's met Anna a couple times. Um, uh, having, she, you know, her or she and her kids being up. Um, you know, she's civil, but like, just doesn't really process it. Like there's been no conversation between she and I, because she just avoids it. Oh, you know, and she's older. Oh. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't, what's it, the what amount- am I going to get out of it? Having that conversation and creating stress that could propagate chest pain is just not. Yeah, I, I I mean the amount of uh, the amount that we need to unpack with that there's is there's a lot more. Yeah, there there there's that that there is. Yeah, that general practitioner recently passed away. Um, the fertility doctor's dead. So, oh my yeah, god, I don't, I don't have anybody to to confront or to ask about that besides my father. I mean, your dad definitely uh, has some responsibility with this one. Uh, Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, um, I I would say you're you're definitely your dad. Um, The fact that he okayed this without your mother's knowledge is, 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 and I I am so sorry if this is out of line, but like is exceptionally despicable. It is. Um, I, I mean, that's. I'm sorry. My brain is right now on on frozen. It is just uh, overwhelmed at the moment with just. Um, did you did you guys see the movie Clue? No. No. Ah, oh, what? Sorry. Classic. Tim Curry. <laughs> Tim Curry. Madeline Kahn. Go watch it. It's fabulous. Anyway, you're gonna watch it, and then for anyone who has watched Clue, the the, the moment with Madeline Kahn just flames. Flames. That that's just what I'm feeling right now. For any of you guys who get that, it, you guys are gonna watch that movie and you're gonna go, "Oh shit, this is hysterical!" <laughs> and now I understand what Laura was going through. Okay, all right, we're going to continue um, after that giant bomb slapped me in the face. Okay, all right. So, well, I have to. Sorry. What has your family? Okay, so your mom is in. Your mom, I guess, is in is in the denial phase at the moment. Just we're we're just not touching I, it right now. I think she'll take that to the grave. I think she will be in denial to the grave. Yeah. I feel very horribly for her. Um, I you know, there's there that that's a I don't even know how, how the hell you, you process that. Um uh, you know, um, but how has your relationship now been with your dad after well, learning all of this well he changed the will <laughs> yeah um excuse excuse me yeah so uh i don't remember when that was maybe i was on a walk actually i took a walk and called in uh yeah. so it was warm weather in ohio maybe june um 
you know, he, he has all these austere like Excel documents that really aren't legally binding, but he put one in the envelope and said, Oh, I made a couple of minor changes. You can put this in your safety deposit box for when something happens to me. And, you know, with everything that had gone on, I'm like, you know, fuck this, I'm going to open it. Um, and my, I guess my half sister, my ex sister, um, because I don't particularly like her. So I, she's my ex sister now, um, was getting very little before. And again, it's not about getting anything. I don't, I don't care about any of that, but she was getting very little before she's, you know, generally is the type of person that only calls when she needs something. And that was obvious to him. You know, she was, she was getting a little bit to just not create family drama, but the lion's share was coming to me. Um, and, um, it's now all 50 50. So I guess now that that is biologically his in the, and he was the breadwinner for, you know, their entire working life. Uh, he now feels like my discovery makes her entitled to all of it, which is fine. But it just, it was one of those things that was sort of a slap. Oh, in the wait, face so we are, you're, you're totally taken out of the will. Uh, um, it's now 50 50, whereas 50, I was probably okay. getting 90% of it before. I, the, the point is not that I'm getting less because I don't care. I mean, she can have all of it. It was the fact that because I made that discovery and it's now like I'm punishment. not biologically his. Yeah. And you discovered, a, how yeah. dare you? Yeah. Yeah. So oh my that was God. interesting. And um, yeah, that's, and I've not confronted him about it. The interesting thing is he also... So you're you know, getting punished for really awful decisions your father made. Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting is, you know, my mom has a couple investments that, you know, were supposed to be betrothed, obviously, just to me because my ex-sister is not hers at all. Um, and all of those investments are now 50-50 as well. Uh, that's something I need to talk to her about because I don't think that she knows that those changes have been made. Um and I don't think she would be right. happy. Yeah. So. Well, I know, I know a dad who's not getting a Father's Day present this yeah, year. Yeah, he didn't. He did not. Yeah. Um. Sorry, sorry, pops. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was a kind of. I, I mean, face. you know, I feel like we should mirror that and be like, you get half of a present. I give you half of a <laughs> yeah. mug. That's it now. Yeah. You get half Split of a now. fucking tie, fucker. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all right. If that's how we're gonna play it. Yeah, so I we mean, can to, fucking to answer your relationship question. Besides that, I mean, it's it's. I feel like the relationship has become even more transactional. I mean, one of the things I, the first thing I said when I called him in the car in May was before I said like, "Hey, I know what you know." Was preface that this doesn't change anything. You're still my dad. So it wasn't like I was, you know, I really wasn't a dick about it. But um, obviously, that like, changes honestly- things. There are so many, I mean, honestly, with so many donor-conceived people, even donor-conceived people who have, I'm going to say, complicated relationships with their social father or their their social mom or social parent, they always preface it with, like, I love you. You are yeah. my parent. Like, th- this is it. And that, that, that donor-conceived people, I have found, by and large, are so conscious and so, I would say, aware of ensuring their parents' comfortability, which I'm like, parents, you were the ones who made the fucking decision. Yet why is your child actively doing more of the work to ensure that you are comfortable versus them? 
And I see that time and time again, and it drives me absolutely fucking bonkers. But then donor-conceived people are labeled as too angry, too emotional. Um, it's fucking psychotic. And and I still, I just, I can't get over the fact that your dad actively made all of these decisions, uh-huh. actively made all of these, yet is punishing you for discovering the decisions that he made that directly affect your life and your mom. Oh my yeah. God. Oh, okay. So, um, as speaking to somebody who also has impulsive rage issues, <laughs> yo, if you want to like start planning some shit, we can plan some <laughs> fucking shit. All right. We can, uh, I mean, farmer's a bitch. It'll catch up. I, I mean, let's, or I think we, we need some glitter bomb packages. Yeah. We need some fireworks. We need, I mean, I, I think this is going to be, let's prank this up. We're, we're going to have some fun here. When we went to the summit in Louisville, Laura, I found like ax throwing and this ax throwing place has a rage room where you just go in and like, yes. And I was like, do you want to go? Do you want to go to the rage room? We could just break shit. We opted for really good sushi instead, but you know, that, oh, solid decision. I mean, yeah, I, I will have to say, I will always, almost always pick the really good sushi over, (laughs) over that, but okay. All right. As we're all sort of like, you know, everybody's like, uh, you know, synapses are misfiring in about a thousand different directions after hearing that story, Anna. How was it when you found out and talking to your parents about this, when you talked to your mom and please tell me your mom knew they did donor conception, please tell me your mom. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay. My mom knew. All right. Thank. All right. We got one thing. I've got one thing to hold on to. Okay. So your mom knew. And so how has it been talking to your parents about the fact that you, you have now found out that you're donor conceived? Yeah. So my relationship with my mom has always been a little strained. Um, we're, we have a very transactional kind of like a business relationship. Um, that's always what we like to hear from a parent and child. <laughs> that's always good. That's always, that's a sign of a, a good relationship. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. You know, I knew, I mean, that's how your life started out. You were a transaction. You're right. I started out as a business, uh, mm-hmm. for- uh yes. Uh, all yep. parties involved. Um, All part, yeah. So I can't remember exactly when I told my mom. I feel like it was probably right around the time that Brad um, confronted his dad because, like, we communicate daily, and he had called me to tell me how his conversation went with his dad, and I just kind of was like, you know, that week I'm thinking, I just need to get this off my chest. Like, this is mine to carry. I shouldn't have to walk on eggshells. Like, right. So. I texted my mom because yeah. I haven't talked to her on the phone since maybe like 2015-ish. She doesn't call. We only communicate via text with a text thread with my sister on transactional, right? Like transactional. Yeah, nothing, that's that's the key word here. Nothing of substance here. So all right. I, um, I just sent her this message with my sister on and just said, you know, I just want you to know what I discovered with my DNA test. Um my I, in the evenings, I'm a childbirth educator. So I get a lot of recipient parents who've had to make these hard decisions. So I have a lot of compassion, right? For the decisions that my parents had to make. I always knew I was IVF conceived because they had a hard time having babies. My dad mm-hmm. had bumps when he was little. It impacted his fertility. I assumed they just fished out the best ones in the IVF process. Yeah. Um, so I just sent her this text and said, 
I know it's okay. I understand. It was probably a difficult conversation to bring up. Um, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed that there were a lot of opportunities for you to disclose this to me as I was growing up. And, you know, like in high school, I saw a cardiologist for several months for unexplained chest pain and had to do echoes and stress tests and all kinds of things. And they never questioned that. I had a lot of, but the whole first year of my life, my parents have like two photos of me. My dad's like, oh, you were so sick. I don't even want to remember it. We didn't take pictures because it was horrible. And so Thanks, dad. I know. I know. Right. So the shit parents say every once in a while, I'm like, do you, do you, is there, I mean, I don't have filters. I don't, but I'm like, I at least have that fucking filter there. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. All right. I had genetic mapping done. So not blood work, but genetic mapping done, um, in my twenties because my dad, my raised father, his side of the family has a genetic anomaly called Potter syndrome. That's Mm -hmm. only impacts little boys and it's fatal. I have two cousins who had children with Potter syndrome and lost their children. So I was, you know, thinking of this and worried that I was going to be a carrier. So I started with this genetic mapping. They knew that I was doing that. I didn't have to carry that fear. I didn't have to pay for that genetic mapping because I'm not genetic. Um, so I just, you know, said, I, I'm disappointed that I, falsely yeah. used the wrong health history my entire life. Yeah. Um, you know, I found out they never told my pediatrician, they never told their OB, they never told anyone in their lives ever. It was they knew and the fertility doctor knew and that was it. And so, you know, as a parent, I'm thinking I would want my child's pediatrician to know this information in case things come up. Yeah. For preventive testing for, you know, it's going to impact the course of treatment if we don't know 50% of your health history. Yeah. I mean, it, so many people, I don't think really understand how health history works. Cause I think whenever I talk about the lack of medical history that donor conceived people have, and, and of course adoptees as well, people are like, well, nobody really knows what their medical history is. And I'm like, yo, would you know if your mom had fucking breast cancer? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's fucking medical history. Yeah, that's the that's medical history. And if you know that your mom had breast cancer or you had like a, cr- a close relative had breast cancer, that typically uh, tells doctors that you need to start getting mammograms earlier. And same thing with like heart disease or, um, or or any kind of cardiovascular events, they'll look at those numbers relating to your heart a lot differently. Yeah. And it's like, people don't understand. Like they think it's like, oh, well not everybody knows what all their genetic markers mean. I'm like, I'm not fucking talking about that Barbara. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The, The funny thing is, you know, a lot of people don't think about the fact that a lot of people have the option to ask a family member, mm-hmm. oh, hey, I'm having these tests done. Did we ever have X, Y, Z? Do you ever know? And we don't, we don't have that option. Um, yeah. You know, I just had some, some tests done. Um, I was just referred to a high-risk breast clinic and they're like, we really need a thorough medical history. And I'm like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't have one. They're like, well, it's really important. I'm aware that it's very important. I'm aware that it is important. Thank you. I don't have the option to know the questions you're asking me. Um, This wasn't my choice, okay? This was all contractually designed before I was fucking conceived. Exactly. There's an entire industry blocking me from my fucking medical history. (laughs) Exactly. 
Thank you. You know, so my mom's response. Would you like to go call the clinic? Because you can. Well, you can't because it doesn't doesn't exist anymore. My daughter, your clinic doesn't exist. The doctor, he didn't use a bank for the first part of our conception. So like, we just don't have anything. Um, You know, so my sister responded with, I don't want to know anything. Was how (laughs) the text she responded. I don't know anything. Like, right? Like, yeah, that does see, it's either donor conceived people sort of fall in like one or two paths it's either the i don't want to know anything or i'm gonna fucking hyper fixate on this shit and it's like it's those are our two paths that we typically go on um yeah you know and then my mom immediately you know she said she got really emotional and she never apologized for not telling me which i found Mm, i love that energy so much yeah it was all like you don't understand how hard this was well, I'm, I do like, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of compassion for how hard it was. I under, I understand. I support recipient parents. I'm not questioning how hard it was for you. I'm really sorry that you experienced that. This I have a, a decision you fucking made. I, I know I have a right to know this information. Um, oh, forward. Um, to my mom basically ignoring my sister saying, I don't want to know anything and giving a thorough history of her length of time. She saw the doctor that they used the donor for both pregnancies. Again, you don't know how hard this was. Um, So because of my mom word vomiting via text, my sister found out that she's donor conceived too. That's how my sister found out. and my dad, I haven't yet told my dad. So your dad doesn't know that you know? My dad doesn't know that I know. So, you know, the oh. interesting thing is my closest relationship in my nuclear family is my dad. And that's, it's challenging because we have, we have a very interesting family dynamic. Like, is it also transactional? <laughs> My family as a whole, I mean, even if my parents were together growing up, and I, I have always said this is a result of the way that my parents were raised and, you know, generational things, but we don't hug. We don't say, I love you. We don't like share emotional things, right? It's like the, the German tough upper lip, we're farmers, salt of the earth kind of people, and you don't have emotions is really the way that I was raised, which is funny because- all right. I mean, you know, to to each their own. I I see some potential uh problems that that that, that you know way uh could be, but you know, who am I to judge? All right. Yeah. You know, and what's yeah. funny is in meeting Brad and going back to that like he just felt like home to me and that that genetic mirroring piece. We are so emotional with each other. <laughs> we like I'm like I didn't have you for 33 years of your life. I'm going to tell you every single day until the day that I die, how incredible you are, because like, I never, I never had that. I don't, I've never had the opportunity to tell someone like, you are my brother and you're incredible. And I'm so proud of you. And like, you're the best, right. So it's, it's like, it always, (laughs) you shrug. It never felt natural, but such a little brother thing to do when you're good, you're good. It, it never felt natural, but that's just the way my family has always been. So mm-hmm. um, I am fearful. The reason I haven't told my dad 
Um, I am, I've watched Brad tell his parents. I watched our other brother who- And that went swimmingly. Right. Yeah. Right. right. I watched my other brother, our other brother, um, tell his parents. He also matched directly to the donor and didn't know. And that yeah. went terribly. And so, you know, where my dad, my dad and I don't have a super close emotional relationship. It's about respect. Like I have a really hefty respect for my dad and he's very introverted and I'm really afraid that because he doesn't emote, he is going to totally shut down. And so you know, I have this, this part of me that's just like, this isn't my burden to carry. This was your decision. This was your secret, but it's my story. I shouldn't have to maintain this secret because I firmly yep. believe that donor conceived people should not have to maintain this mm -hmm. secret. It's not my burden. We to didn't carry. make this choice. Yet it affects our entire, it doesn't just affect our entire lives, our entire, our whole being. It also affects our children. Absolutely. Yeah. Get, and so, get you know, this. He's new, met me. What's that? He's I met, said, get this. He's met me. Oh yeah. 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 What, what did you say? Like who, who, how did you introduce Brad? Be like, Hey, this person who I look exactly like, and we have an incredible familial relationship. This is just my friend. Uh, like, how did you do this? So he came to and all of your children calling him Uncle Brad. They like... did actually like the whole time because they are they adore Uncle Brad. Um, so he and his daughter came to an amusement park with me and two of my sons and my raised sister. My raised sister has has met Brad um, and my dad. And I it's so you know, that goes back to telling my dad. Um, it's so important to me that my dad know that I have Brad. Like I want, if I knew that the conversation could be open and shut and just like, hey, I know what you know, and it's okay, I'm not upset. Um, I understand that had to be a really difficult thing to be told that you, yeah. you are infertile and you can't have children. Like, thank you for making hard yeah. decisions. Wish you would have told me. It's cool. You don't have to carry that secret anymore. Like I want him to be able to take that off his shoulders yeah um and i also want him to know like i gained a best friend out of this i gained a brother who's gonna have me for the rest of my life yeah, yeah. you oh, like oh, you right. that yeah we're, we're talking about you got it all right i mean like if someone's gonna show up for you it's gonna be brad like if something terrible happens i have absolutely no question brad's gonna be in his car he's gonna be driving six and a half hours he's gonna show up i actually yeah. changed I changed my advanced directive to make Brad a decision maker on my life. Like he has equal decision rights. Like I, I want my dad to know that I'm going to be fine and it is okay. Yeah. Um, and I've got, I've got, I've got this person. Um, but anyways, they met and it was, I used his daughter as Landon's friend. My oldest son and his daughter are very close in age. They actually look very similar. They could be sisters, uh, siblings. Um, and I just said, Landon, I told Landon he could choose a friend to come for his birthday to the amusement park. And he chose, he chose her. So this is her dad. Nice to meet you. And they spent the day together at this amusement park. Um, I just have to get enough like courage muscle to have that conversation, you know, cause once it's said, it can't be unsaid. Um, yeah. So I'm just really, really thinking that through. 
with my dad's feelings in mind, which is a hard place to be sitting. I, unfortunately, I will say that the position that you're in is one that is so common for donor conceived people. The amount of donor conceived people who actively go into the chat rooms, uh, go to DCC support, um, to just genuinely go, how do I tell my parents I know? And some people that wait years and years, or some of them just never even tell their parents that they know. Yeah. And it's a horrific situation that donor conceived people find themselves in. And, and so just please know, and for any of the donor conceived people who are listening, who are in a similar situation as Anna, just know that you're not alone. This is such a common experience. And it is very important, in my opinion, that more donor conceived people find each other so that we can talk about these situations, so we can understand and be there for each other because it is a unique experience. And it's also why parents get your fucking act together and tell your goddamn kids they're gonna know. I still, I literally, I wanna say a few weeks ago, I got a question um, and I feel like you guys are two of the best examples to talk about this uh, with, was I got a question saying, my wife and I are planning to use donor conception. Do we really need to ever tell our kids? Like we yes. never were planning on telling them. <laughs> yes. You know, and you know, what's funny, Laura, Brad and I, when we, when we first started talking, you know, it's, meeting your siblings, I equate to kind of like speed dating because you end up, at least we did, we ended up sharing really deeply personal things very fast. Like once you get past the, oh, we have the same temporal vein and that's cool. And our feet look the same. <laughs> and and it's such a specific fucking thing. We share veins. We do. It's true. We do. When we smile, the same vein sticks out in the same spot on our heads. Like same droopy eye. We have the exact same droopy eye. Like we both have eye bags. I mean, I was going to have some of this stuff. I was like going to get injections to fix my eye bags. And then I saw Brad and I'm like, my bags we have the same bags. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I love my eye bags now because I see them too. I love them um, so much <laughs> yes team eye bags yes <laughs> once, that a shirt too. <laughs> once you put get, that on a shirt as well yep yeah. team eye bags yeah. once you get past all the like surface level ways we're similar we start to talk about some really um you know deep stuff I don't even remember where I was going oh I remember where I was going some deep like philosophical stuff um you know and we both said I know this is common among the donor conceived community but like we always kind of knew something was off we mm -hmm. never really it's not that we were suspecting we were donor conceived but something just felt off we didn't feel like we fit we actually yeah. both used the same terminology that we felt like we were kind of leaving something out in the universe something felt undone um, not quite finished, like what is out there for me? Um, and I felt that my whole life and, yeah. you know, Brad said the same thing and I don't feel that anymore. So it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like we mutually felt this vacancy. Like we knew all along that we had some mm -hmm. link out there, you know, and yes, of course this discovery is super traumatic and it's, wild and it's a journey but it also kind of fills in the rest of the puzzle it the the 
the uncertainties, the complications, the things that never really made sense mm-hmm. fall into place. Um, and I know that that's not the same for everybody, but I think that, you know, Brad, I don't want to speak for you, but I think that's been our experience in building our relationship. Um, that it just, a lot of stuff makes sense now. What would, would you guys, cause again, I, I get a lot of questions and this always relates to sibling pods and being able to know, you know, who your siblings are. And a big comment that I get a lot is why do you care? Why would people care about these quote unquote siblings? They're not your siblings. You just share a little bit of genetics with each other. You weren't raised together. Why the, why, like, what, why are these people important to you? And I get that comment all the time, all the time of like, why, why should donor conceived siblings know who each other are? And I'd love to talk that, talk about that with you guys. I mean, there's the obvious, like, we don't want to have accidental incest. Um, let's, you know, as I always say, let's turn down that banjo music a little bit. But um, <laughs> for you guys, like, why do you think it's important for siblings, for donor conceived siblings to have the option to know who each other are? Do you wanna take that? No, go ahead. go ahead, I'll play off of it. Okay. Um, you know, for me, I think I think it's it's so different for everyone, and I think even within our own pod, it's it, you would get a different answer if you asked all of us the same question. Yeah. Um, I have in this discovery, hindsight being twenty twenty, really found that my entire life, I was I was trying to genetic mirror with people. I would always look at you know I would stitch together pictures of my dad and my kids or my cousins and myself. And I was constantly fishing for similarities and faces. And I never really realized how hungry I was for that until I understood what genetic mirroring is. Mm -hmm. And that this entire experience would be very different for me in catastrophic ways had I not had the privilege to genetic mirror with my siblings and especially Brad, because we're so similar. I mean, when I say I couldn't look in the mirror for those couple of weeks before I met him and Mm -hmm. like pieced it together, I I'm not even kidding. I had no idea who I was looking at, no clue at all. And the way that being able to develop relationships and find similarities and mirror with someone when I'd been trying to do that my whole life unsuccessfully, it changed, it changed everything. I mean, I don't know that I would have survived this discovery without, without the ability to genetic mirror. I always Mm -hmm. say that Brad saved my life. Like I, we both have very similar like mental health histories and struggles um, and being able to talk through really, really traumatic things, both in my past and what this all has brought up mm-hmm. with someone who doesn't judge you, who accepts you for exactly what you're presenting to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never once in my life had a relationship that didn't have conditions attached to it. Brad, I have no conditions attached to my, to my relationship with Brad. I can call him with anything. 
and just know that he's going to listen. I know um, this discovery is manageable because of my ability to have a shared experience with mm -hmm. other people. If I had to do this alone, I, I, I wouldn't be here. I think my, um, when I, I have a close relationship with, with one of my donor conceived siblings and, uh, I was, you know, I consider myself extraordinarily lucky enough to, to say that like my parents told me at 14, this was not something I found out, like they told me. And unfortunately my, my, all of my siblings so far seem like they were also all found out in their thirties as well. And one of my donor conceived siblings who I am close with, I think she said it really well. She was like, we could have had each other our whole life. And she was like, I feel like that was stolen from us. Absolutely. 100%. And I totally understand like, you know, a, a relationship is not something that um, with, with, with your donor conceived sibling doesn't, not all donor conceived people want that. And I totally respect that. But that to me should be the donor conceived siblings choice. Because the fact that that time has been stolen from both of you and from so many siblings where it's like, clearly there was a spark. Clearly there was a, a genuinely amazing relationship that adds so much beauty and richness and color to your life was taken for so long from you, from, uh, for, for no reason. It, just a stupid, stupid reason. I get is, really, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please, please. Um, Brad's not on social media, but <laughs> you know those videos- He's correct, that is the correct answer. Uh, yeah. As somebody <laughs> who who is a content creator, I 100% back that decision. <laughs> I, I fully, if I did not have the job I had, I would not be on social it's media. total garbage, right? <laughs> However, you know those videos of like little siblings playing with the audio, like the close, the most special relationships your kids will ever have will be with their siblings. Mm -hmm. I get a visceral response to those videos. I can't, yeah. I've, and I have three children, I have three boys. And, you know, I always tell them like, you guys, you guys have each other for life. You're never going to remember a time in your lives where you didn't have each other. Yeah. Um, those videos are hard for me. That audio is hard for me. Brad sent me a picture of his daughter's playing in, um, in their yard last year. And he's just like, we don't, we don't get this. We, mm -hmm. we don't get to have these memories. Um, you know, if anybody's having a hard time understanding, like why we, we talk so much, like I'm catching up on three decades that I didn't get. Yeah. Um, you know, I hearing Brad calling me for the first time, I was thinking about this earlier and I got actually like emotional about it. I didn't tell you this. Um, but like hearing your brother's voice for the first time when you're yeah. 30, I had just turned 37. Like that's really unfair. Yeah. I don't know what is. he looks like when he opens a birthday present. I don't know what he looks like on Christmas morning, you know, Adorable. like <laughs> <laughs> I don't, the core memories that, that other people have been afforded. Yeah we have to make up for that in different ways. Um, and it was like, I would, there are so many times in our lives that we've talked about where we really could have used each other in like, yeah, 
really big ways outcomes might have been different. Ways we would have handled things may have been different. I could have really, really used Brad through some really hard things. Um, you know, and then some like really joyful things like milestones. I would have loved to, you know, I don't, I didn't get to see him graduate from college or, um, you know, play soccer in high school. And, you know, we kind of have to listen to each other, share about our lives and paint our own pictures of what that would have been. Actually, my shirt, <laughs> Brad was in a band in high school and I was like, I would have had your band shirt. So I made a shirt with his band name on it, his high school stuff. I wouldn't have known any of the ACDC lyrics, but I would have been your biggest fan in the front row. So, yeah. you know, sorry, I'm talking a lot, Brad, you can go, but I just like, it's, it's valuable. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you echo that, Brad? How do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was educated as a scientist. So, you know, for me, you know, people that say they're not siblings, to me, blood is thicker than water. DNA is, is, means a lot to me. So, um, you know, I, um, that to, I think that it's unfair to say that just because you weren't raised with him doesn't make them a sibling. Um, I think that the biggest thing that Anna said that I absolutely mirror, I, I agree with all of it, um, was the fact that I wouldn't have survived this without someone, particularly her, but just in general, somebody that understands what I'm feeling and um, somebody that is going through this. Um, I, I can't tell you how many people, and I know that she's had a similar experience, that that try to be empathetic in very poor ways, mm -hmm. um, that had I not had her, and with, with my, you know, um, history of depression and anxiety and, and the fact that it flared up dramatically over the last, you know, 12 to 14 months as I was dealing with all this and continue to process it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I would be alive had that ancestry kid not matched the two of us. And, um, I think that donor siblings having the opportunity to have shared experiences simultaneously is paramount to people coming out of this without having long-term psychological effects um you know or you know with the state of depression and mental health in the united states um like that's, that's a different that's podcast. a big deal yeah yeah, I, I just, yeah. I think that somebody needs, you shouldn't have to do this alone. And um, having the opportunity to know those people and, and share similar experiences, um, I think is essential. I I could not agree more. And to me, it's like, you know, it, it has to be, it's something where it should be the child. It should be the donor conceived person's choice. This should not be, this should not be a choice that is taken away from them. Um, I, I remember the first time I spoke to my, my sister and she, she has a Southern accent, but even though she, she has a Southern accent, her voice, timber, her quality, I picked up the phone and I was like, oh my God, it's me. 
<laughs> her voice was exactly it was the same pitch as mine um the way i listened to how her anxiety manifested and how she was getting angry and i was like sitting there actually smiling because i was like holy shit that's me she was you know getting herself up and it was she was explaining what she was feeling and how she was processing and i was like this is how i process my anxiety this is how i process my anger and i was hearing it exactly the way i do it for the very first time and i was like mother Fucker. Are you fucking shitting me? I was also, I'm very jealous because she has beautiful red hair, which I do not have. And I'm so jealous of her because I always wanted red hair. Um, but yeah, no, it was, um, it was incredible listening to that for the first time. Uh, I have not had the, the privilege yet of we've not been able to meet. Um, hopefully we can, we can have that happen soon, but it is it is an incredible reaction when you do have that spark immediately with a sibling that you've not had your whole life and then suddenly it's boom it's fucking there yeah and it's it, it is it there i can't explain it it's just a gut check immediately mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i um i was having surgery last may you know it's funny how you run into people who are impacted by this but don't want to talk yeah. about it or you know keep it a secret and, um, you know, Brad was, I don't do well with anesthesia and Brad was worried about me going into surgery. We'd only known each other a couple of months, but he was like, he was a nervous wreck. It was very sweet. So I'm texting him as they're prepping me for surgery. And I'm talking to this nurse who's prepping me about, you know, my discovery. It was only a couple months old and, um, meeting Brad and what it was like. Um, and she says to me, I am so glad that you're telling me about this because we actually used a donor for our daughter. Her husband has, um, I don't even remember at this point, cystic fibrosis. And so they were wanting to avoid their child having cystic fibrosis. So they made the decision to use a donor. Her, do her daughter um, was in her teens and starting to get curious about siblings. And they were really hesitant and nervous about her reaching out and mostly disappointment, like either not matching to anybody or siblings who aren't interested. Um, but she said, your, your story makes me feel like this is going to be okay. So, so thank you. I'm, I, now I feel okay. Encouraging her to make those connections. And we have come to our time in the show where I'm going to say, I, I cannot thank you guys enough for, for both of you coming on. Um, this was such, such a treat. And I'm so glad that I was able to connect with you guys in Washington, DC. Um, it's been so awesome getting to, to know you guys. And in case anybody listening to this is thinking, oh shit, I might be related to one of you guys. I might be to both of you. Um, I might be part of that sibling pod. They can, uh, you both are on ancestry and 23 and me. That's mm -hmm. how they can connect to your pod. No, yeah. Fantastic. 23 and me. Yep. Okay. Fantastic. Um, and then I also want to remind everybody, uh, in light on, in light of the bomb that Brad just dropped on everybody, um, the fertility fraud legislation is getting voted on federally. And we, so what we need everybody to do, um, the fertility fraud legislation would make it illegal for a doctor to switch out the chosen donor DNA for their own or any other DNA that they feel like. So please call your fucking legislature. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> um, and tell them that you want, that you support HR 451, the, the, the federal fertility fraud legislation. So please, please call your local legislature. 
Also, right now, um, we are very excited to to announce that the Donor Conceived Persons Protection Act has also right now is in uh, the New York State Health Committee. Basically, the Donor Conceived Persons Protection Act would require clinics and banks to verify the medical history that a donor hands in. So um, please, please contact um, New York State and tell them the you do not have to live in New York State, but especially if you live in New York State, we need you to contact your legislature and tell them that you support the Donor Conceived Persons Protection Act, which is Bill 2122. Right now it is in the health committee. So please, please tell them that you want to see that go to the floor and that you support that because if that is passed, that sets a huge precedent for the rest of the country. Um, Please, uh, there's more information about that on both my Instagram and my TikTok if you want to learn more. There's also on my Instagram and on my TikTok, there are email specific email addresses to contact. I will list the email addresses in the um, in the uh, caption for this episode, so you can just copy and paste that. But thank you both so much for coming on. I appreciate it so much. And if anybody can take anything away from this episode, please tell your fucking kids that their donor conceived and let them have relationships with their siblings. Foster that. You can either um, obviously put your kids on, um, you can uh, on the donor sibling registry. And, um, you know, and then obviously there are commercial DNA testing, but uh, donor sibling registry is probably if your child is under 18, that's probably the way to go. There's also through some of a lot of the banks and the clinics have their own private donor sibling registry that you can also lock your children onto. Um, so that way you can connect with the siblings. And yeah. All right. I really regret interviewing you guys at 1138 a.m. because all I want to do now is just drink after. (laughs) That's I'm really I just I kept turning to my coffee mug going like there's going to be whiskey in here at some point. Right. There's going to be fucking whiskey and there's not. There isn't. And I have to wait many hours until it is socially acceptable for me to drink at this moment so thank you both for that but very much thank you guys for sharing as much as you did i wish both of you nothing but luck with um you know obviously anna you telling your dad i i just my full heart is with you and brad i don't know what i wish for you i I wish i wish i i guess i wish chaos (laughs) i i i i wish chaos and um and mischief and just all 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 of the pranks all of the creativity to just descend i don't wish harm on like here's the thing i don't wish harm i don't wish harm but i really just want your dad to lose his keys indefinitely right now it's fine i just i want i don't want any day to be easy on him it's not just i really don't (laughs) until there is some really until there is some fucking accountability here um uh you know just the i i i i want his pillow to never i want him to never feel the cool side of the pillow (laughs) ever and if you ever need some just a creative outlet for pranks we can talk because holy shit ah it's fine i'm fine everything is okay um okay (laughs) okay we're all fine this is fine um please follow me on all social media at laura high five on tiktok on instagram you can watch this whole episode and watch my face 
literally fall on the fucking floor on YouTube. The whole episode is there. Um, Brad is not on social media, but you LinkedIn. can follow. LinkedIn. You can find me you, on LinkedIn. You can find you on LinkedIn, yes. where all the kids are running to. Yes. Um, and where can they follow you, Anna? Um, I'm on Instagram on Manufactured Me. You'll get Brad on there too. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it's it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's all good. I'm still. I'm just. I'm processing at this moment. Um, and please leave a review for this podcast because, hey, that shit really matters because that's the world we live in. Uh, but please, most importantly, call your local legislatures. Let's all get involved. Let's get these bills passed. Let's normalize this. Let's talk about this because we really, really fucking need to. And thank you again for Anna and Brad for coming on. I appreciate that so much. And I can't wait to, I can't wait until we're all back in the same area eating expensive sushi and drinking together. Yay. Thanks, Laura. Thank you so much.